Welcome to Drive the Bid, the podcast brought to you by AutoHunter.com. Welcome to the table, gentlemen. This is episode number seven. Somehow we've already done seven. We have three more, or counting this one, three more episodes to number 10, in which we will celebrate our 10th anniversary and never do it again. Right? (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Limited engagement. Yes. No, that is not the plan. Uh, Episode seven. Welcome. I sit here, as always, with Derek. Hello, everyone. And Jeff. He's always sitting here, by the way. He doesn't leave. That's true. <laughs> He's a fixture. And I am Brad. So welcome to the show. Before we get started, let's do a little bit of uh, promotion for Auto Hunter, because that is why we're here. Jeff, you do a pretty good job in uh, introducing the people to Auto Hunter. You want to do that again this week? Yeah, I'll give you guys an elevator pitch here. So essentially, Auto Hunter's online seven-day auctions. And so what that is, is there's no commissions on the seller side. There's just a listing fee of $129.99, which now includes pro photos, assuming we have it in your area. So what that means is we'll go ahead and take a look. And if we have somebody, we can do a 30-minute professional photography session, which we find definitely helps with the sale of your vehicle. A lot, especially a since lot. these vehicles are being sold on photographs on the internet yeah absolutely and our main focus is always collector uh vehicles but of course we have all sorts of things including an airstream which which is currently live on the site right now along with all sorts of things from trucks to cars to sedans we've run motorcycles um etc so that's where the core business is yep so it's the autohunter.com seven day online auctions for i don't want to call them vintage cars but interesting cars cars, collector cars and and other collector car adjacent uh, motorcycles we've experimented with a little bit and we Mm -hmm. have our first vintage camper trailer as you mentioned this week so anything that's uh, got wheels and character yeah wheels and character that's that's a good way to define it we'd probably sell a tank if we had the opportunity i mean others uh, other competition has so why not right yeah if you have a tank let us know we would would love to list a tank maybe not an airplane that's a lot of liability i think but i don't know what is it I mean, I guess somebody showed up with like a 1919 Stearman biplane. I wouldn't say no, right? Get the, get the legal team on this ASAP. Yeah, let's, let's give it a go. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, we've sold fire or we've run fire trucks Yeah, before. give us, submit one. <laughs> give us a chance to look into it. How's that sound? So yeah, autohunter.com is the auction site. And that, of course, is brought to you by classiccars.com, which is the sister site, which is a more traditional classified listing site. So With over 35,000 cars on it currently. Excellent. You are the elevator pitch man of the day. That's right. So, so speaking of elevator pitches, we are going to be running a special on the site for a theme day. The theme day is going to be sports cars. I can't think of a theme day or any comment that's happened in the the offices here that has brought up more controversy than <laughs> what constitutes a sports car. So I have a very simple breakdown of what I think constitutes a sports car, but I don't want to start it with that. We'll, we'll we may, maybe we'll end on that because at the end of the day, my opinion is the correct opinion. So I don't know why we're all sitting no. here talking. So yeah, no. Oh no! I, I found out today Man, that opinions could be wrong. I'm wrong. We're just sitting here to talk and tell you you're wrong. We're gonna work through it because I know all three of us have slightly different opinions on what constitutes a sports car. Yes, I'm starting fights today. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'd like to start with the traditional explanation of a sports car. Okay, that's pretty easy, actually. I think I think we can agree on this. Well, the traditional explanation of a sports car was, <clears throat> excuse me, a British vehicle, pretty yeah. much, with no windows, only had side curtains, 
a convertible top that wasn't really convertible. It was you assembled bows and put fabric over it. Wire wheels or steel wheels, rear wheel drive, manual transmission, four cylinder, simple car made for a sporty lifestyle. Right? I mean, yeah. So a, Brit- a, Brit- a British roadster. I, I don't is a think. Sports car. I don't think it, a sports car necessarily needs to be British. In no, that but, sense, but they uh, were. It's they easier to. to yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to use British just because when I say British sports car, you get the image in your head of a, you know, MGTD or right. a Triumph TR two fifty or TR three yeah. or even up to the Spitfire. But the Spitfire goes beyond that definition of the original What's sports the? car because it has roll-up windows and a heater. What's and like. the, uh, the seven vehicle that uh, Jim Clark raced? A Lotus 7? Uh, Lotus 7, yeah. yeah. So I think actually Bruce McLaren, I think, raced one. Possibly a lot of people 14. have. They're a very common car. But yeah, the Lotus 7 would be definitely a sports car. And maybe not, doesn't necessarily look like what you'd consider a sports car by modern I, day standards. I think it's maybe a two-seater by, though, right? Again, now that's what we're going to get off on this topic by modern day standards because right. it has expanded exponentially since this yes, initial yeah. like a sports car is a small roadster generally european side curtain windows no real top like that's generally a sports car right right so sure go and talk to john q public at the grocery store and say what is a sports car in 2022 we're doing this experiment if you walked into the grocery store with people who are not car people Mm. And you walked up to the first person you saw at the milk aisle and you said, hey, buddy, what do you think a sports car is? And what are they going to say nowadays? I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I have that answer. No? What, I have no clue. It's going to be whatever, they, the, what co- whatever the common supercar is. They're gonna, oh, Bugatti. Oh, McLaren. Yeah, oh, Ferrari. so maybe they say Lamborghini, Ferrari, right? Yeah, but exactly. I don't know. Maybe their concept is like maybe their neighbor has a Mazda Miata. Yeah, I mean, it's it's relative. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people saying like a Mustang. Ah, Another good example Mustang. of a car that yeah, I do not consider Mustangs. to be a sports car, but we can get into that debate oh, later on here already too. Starting. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, Jeff, what is your definition of a sports car? Before you start too many fights, just give me your basic reasoning for considering a car a sports car. Um, so, my thing for a sports car, and this is, again, it's going to start fights. I feel like the whole point of the sports car is it's supposed to be an attainable, like sort of simple thing, but obviously it's a purposeful race car. Um, well, not race car. That's a bad usage. Um, but essentially when I picture a sports car, I picture affordable two door cars that are maybe not completely crazy. So things like Miatas, things like Honda S 2000s typically can be found in roadsters. All two doors may or may not have a back seat. Um, but relatively affordable, I would say. Why is affordable have to be part of it? Because I think it's just the... And what defines affordability? Because the whole point of the sports car is the driving experience, not so much the performance. So while maybe an Audi R8 has a giant V10 with lots of horsepower, at the end of the day, your Revy S2000 with the 9000 Redline um, would would do a lot for you in terms of a driving experience that you mm-hmm. wouldn't get from the regular everyday cars. And so I think that is where the line can be drawn is the driving experience. And that's what really makes it a sports car. And I think specifically they start out at the affordable line. Cause obviously like you mentioned, you can kind of get carried away. Oh, you can definitely get carried away. And that's, that's why I'm not quite clear on your definition of why it has to be affordable because 
one could argue that there are cars that are very fun to drive that cost a lot of money and I can get a pretty good sporting driving experience out of a a million dollar car or a $250,000 car. Right. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think that a brand new but, 911 GT3 isn't a sports car. And that's a, what, $600,000 car nowadays. So I don't well, know that the dealer stacked MSRP. Whatever, whatever it costs you to buy one now is probably yeah. half a million dollars. So I don't, Consider that not to be a sports car because so, it's not "quote unquote" attainable. Let me add and again: what is attainable? Because what's attainable to you and me might be not attainable to somebody else, and what is attainable to somebody else isn't attainable to you and me. So, yeah, correct. So when I say attainable, I'm I'm thinking relative to new car prices in general. So obviously, um, even the V8 muscle cars being up towards forty thousand dollars are probably outside of the average person's price range for a brand new vehicle. I think the average purchase price of a new car is like forty grand now, isn't, isn't it? it? Referring to Derek, the guy with new cars, somewhere in that general range. Uh, I, I could believe it. Yeah, I don't have the exact number on it, but um, yeah, yeah but it's probably in the forty somewhere. A lot of the cars I think of would include things like the Hyundai Veloster N, um, the Mazda Miata, obviously. Uh, is the Veloster N a sports car? Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's a multi-door front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Yet it won Car and Drivers Car of the Year. It did. Or Motor Trends, one of those two. I mean, the quickest thing is to to call it a, a hot hatch, but I mean, it it, it does a have a lot hatch, of power. But it's still a sports car. So the other thing I wanted to include as a sports car is there's also a li- there's a bit of livability with a sports car that while a you know supercar which is sporty, yes but it's in its own upper class because it's it's a more precise weapon. It's like a knife. It's not intended to maybe be used um, on your road trips or as a daily driver so much as it's meant to be a go-fast weapon. So that's so the where, sports car is a little bit more like... Yes, that's where I disagree with a car like the Veloster N because that car is a compromise. It has a three-door sedan or hatchback-style body, it's front-wheel drive. It's based on a much less exciting vehicle. Is it a hot hatch? Is it a sporty car? Sure. It does not fit my definition of a sports car. It's a modified version of a standard vehicle. So, but then do all three of us agree that sporty characteristics do not classify a vehicle as a sports car? No. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah, because okay. there are some cars where my instinct is to just say, oh, it's a sporty car, but not necessarily a sports car. Right. Sure. So there's I mean, lots of SUVs even these days. There's sporty SUVs, the whole yeah. BMW M line, the sports sedans. Yep. They have sporty things, but they're not sports cars because they're a sedan at the end of the day and they're based on a more plebeian, lower level, not that the BMWs are plebeian, but a lower level version of the same car is available. I think that is also a big characteristic for me of a sports car. It's not based on a lower level vehicle. It's its own entity. It's its own thing. Yeah. You look at it like a Viper or a Corvette, you know, definitely sports cars. Although I'd argue some Corvettes are muscle cars, but I guess that's, that's getting real. But oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of overlap, but we are offshoots. We're we're here to be pedantic. I was going to say, we're getting into that level because I just brought up a hot hatch that is not just the standard hot hatch, but it is the end line from Hyundai, which is their performance. Sure, line, which would be like a Volkswagen from GTI. What you were, okay, that's exactly where I was going with that. But those cars can actually come in two-door or four-door versions. I think the new ones only come as four-doors, but obviously if you look at previous generations, but there's, there's also a GTIs. Golf. And then there's the Golf R. 
fine, but there's also a Golf. So it's based on a regular normal vehicle. Right. I can go to the dealership. Well, I can't anymore because the Golf was discontinued last year. But up until last year, I could go to the dealership and I could say, I want a GTI. And they'd say, all right, sir, that's $42,000. And I'd say, okay, I'd like a Golf then. And they'd say, okay, that's (laughs) $25,000. And now I no longer have bought a a sporty version of the car Mm -hmm. because that less sporty version exists. So therefore, I bought a normal commuter car. Yep. And there's a more sporty version of it, but that is just at the end of the day, a factory hot rotted basic car, not a dedicated sports car, which is why the general broad definition of a sporty car doesn't work. Also, I just looked it up. The average new price of a car so far this year, $42,509 average. (laughs) So So is this... Okay, but is that number based off just all of the current new car prices and then they find the average? It's based or off is of that transactional based off of, okay, prices that's from what January through March. That's the data I have so far. Really? Yep. I am on the lower end of the spectrum than I thought. <laughs> we all are, I, think. I think we all are on that one, yeah, for sure. I have never spent $42,000 in a car. I yeah. can tell you that right now. I've never spent more I've than $30,000 yeah. in a car and I've never bought a brand, brand new car. So, all right. Anyway, so yeah, that's yeah, depressing. All right, it is quite depressing, actually. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Want to get into the house market next? Because no, that's also I'm depressing. Good. No, 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 no. Back to sports cars. Okay, which are probably higher than forty-two thousand dollars, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, you can spec out a Miata now to like forty-five grand, especially the RF. Yeah, it can get with, up, it gets up there. Which the RF for everyone that doesn't know is the not standard convertible. It's got the little like it's the hard target top style. Yeah. yeah. Um, they look good though. I'd rather have an RF. They are very good looking standard cars. Standard convertible. They are very good looking cars. Very fun too. So I think the one thing that we've all established right here is that we keep bringing up Miatas. So Miatas are, in fact, sports cars. So this is. Yeah. Do I get to share my special Miata knowledge now? Okay. Um, so fun fact. So we mentioned British sports cars earlier yep. as sort of being the founding fathers of the sports car. Okay. Sure. The first gen NA Miata, right, is actually. Uh, when for one the idea of the miata is actually an american idea there was an american journalist and i'm forgetting his name um who essentially partnered with mazda on what car they should build and the idea was build a modern british sports car and there would be a market for that it has to be affordable blah 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 all those requirements and then hence the mazda miata was born um which obviously grew into its now what are we on fifth fifth fourth generation nd uh yes yeah so pretty, deep, been around a pretty while. deep into it too actually yeah it's been around for a bit i think 2015 maybe 16 yeah, yeah maybe 16 yeah because our- year of the indy and the fiat 124 is obviously based on the platform as well the mazda miata oh yeah, the new fiat yeah mm-hmm. i keep forgetting the car exists the, well i forget fiat exists beyond the 500s well you know what's weird about it i mean i i think about this on a regular basis of which one of those you would take because bob one, hall by the way was the guy i think bob hall yeah okay Motor Trend Journalist. So there you go. Motor Trend Journalist who talked with Mazda about what car they should build. Miata, modern incarnation of British sports cars. Specifically, when they, I think they were talking about this, they were talking about the golden age of British sports cars, which would be, you know, 1960s triumphs. Yeah, a lot of the design language is based on a Lotus Halan of the 60s. Well, the, is, uh, for the Miata. For the Miata, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, the general idea, right, yeah. being based off British sports cars, which I think is really interesting. So really, I think the Miata is probably the best current example of what a sports car is. I think it's the most pure. Yes. And if we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. it's, it's the most pure sports car. I don't think there's a debate of whether or not it's a sports car. 
I think a lot of people who don't know cars would say it's not a sports car. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't be, like Miatas when I was younger. Because people think that a sports car, that, and this goes back to my talk to the guy at the grocery store buying milk, a lot of people think that a sports car needs to be a big, brash, loud, fast, high-horsepower no, high horsepower, right. quote-unquote like, race car for the street, which is not true. But that's what, yeah, that's what makes the Miata so much fun is you can just rev the nuts off of that thing and you don't have to worry about, you know, wrapping it around a tree or anything. You get every bit of juice out of it and just have a great time. It was a very old slogan in the world of automobiles and, you know, I don't know who said it first or who has credit for it, but... The whole thing is it's more fun to drive a slow car fast Mm -hmm. than to have to drive a fast car slow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. So when you're driving a Miata, it's not a fast car. Like you said, you can ring it out, you can drive it hard, and you're not breaking nearly as many laws as you would be if you're doing the same thing in a new McLaren. Or your neck. I think that's the best part is you can do spirited driving at speed limit. Yep. The majority of the cars that I own in my personal life are at or around 100 horsepower. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I, I would love a McLaren 720S, but at the same time, you go from, you know, zero to jail. And You're breaking every speed limit in the state before you've gone a quarter of the way through second gear. Yeah, and that's the and thing. That's a I problem. Mean, <laughs> I, I like really powerful cars, but there is this realization that comes very soon that you're leaving so much of the performance on the table when you're on the street, unless you mm-hmm. drive like an absolute maniac. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't agree that some more modern, much more powerful cars are sports cars. Mm-hmm. I still think a Corvette is a sports car. Yeah. But it's driven in a very different manner than a Miata because you're, the, like you said, you are you can't use it as well as you can use a car like a Miata. You can't right. use it. You can't play with it. You can't accelerate hard. I mean, you can. You just can't all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so you're limited to where you can really, you know, play with the car whereas in a miata you're playing with the car just keeping up with your neighbor and his camry they're so, generally more daily drivable as well the miatas are the more just like newer sports cars and things are generally are generally more daily drivable oh for like, sure but that's that's, that's just mclarens and Ferraris that's just the, the technology of cars like cars are more drivable now than they used to be period right which even the supercars yeah. are better but my point is is like you could definitely deal with nowadays right yeah. well to an extent there's you know i'm not gonna you can buy the mclaren you can afford to maintain the mclaren for daily use and you have other vehicles any other vehicles but you can have a miata for when your mclaren is in the shop sure <laughs> in the, in the i wonder what i wonder what the actual number of uh mclaren slash miata owners is like they have oh, i bet they it's almost both. zero yeah <laughs> i <laughs> not have a hard time next, there, yeah, i have a nothing. hard time imagining <laughs> that they have both um we start taking some uh What's the word? Polls at Next Cars and Coffee. Yeah. Hi, sir. I noticed you have a McLaren. What do you have? Do you a also Miata? have a Miata. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah probably. Or, or, or that'll be the guy that says that's not a sports car. <laughs> oh. So there's, there's even a, a joke from I think it was a Family Guy joke where they made fun of the guy for saying he had a sports car and it was a Miata. So that's how mainstream it is. Like it's very the, the Miata hate goes strong. Oh yeah. You know what I have seen though? I have seen a lot of people who have exotics buy golfs as. Dailies. Dailies. Yep. Yes. Interesting. So yeah. they're good cars. That's why I just sold mine. Well, they're also well, usually GTIs. That's why I had they're not mine. just golfs. Yeah. Usually GTIs. Yeah, no, the GTIs are out. Volkswagen makes the, and this is no endorsement for the company, but I think personally, Volkswagen makes the best normal fun cars. 
not sports cars, what is not Miatas. Fun cars, just a normal car. Like they put the most sporty kind of DNA into their everything. You can just call the GTI a sports car, Brad. It's okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm talking about all the cars because the car I just sold was a Jetta station wagon with a I diesel. Would, I wouldn't call that a sports car. Sorry. Definitely not a sports car. But a cool car. It was a neat car and it had plenty of sporting intention to it, but not a sports car for sure. It's a diesel station wagon. Come is on there, now. Is there front wheel drive. diesel engine that's considered a sports car? I don't think so. I don't think... Currently, there certainly is not. I don't know if maybe there's some weird experiments in the day, but mm. no, there's been like, well, Audi had a diesel race car, but yeah, as far as sports cars, I sure. can't think of one. And BMW did the 330D, which was like a two door coupe three series with a diesel. Mm. A 330D, I, I could be wrong on that. I, again, my modern car knowledge sometimes is a little mixed up together, but so I'm going to hit you with my definition of a sports car. Okay, I'm ready to disagree. I'm ready to disagree. A car that is built on its own platform. Okay. Purely to be built as an engaging, fun-to-drive car. It doesn't necessarily need to be rear-wheel drive. It doesn't necessarily need to have two seats. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a convertible. I would say it needs to be its own platform which is why I don't like the Veloster N idea or the GTI okay. idea. It needs to be built with sporting intentions are its number one thing. Like you're, you're probably not going to buy this car unless you're an enthusiast driver and it's marketed strictly to enthusiast drivers and whatever it's marketed to do is the thing that it does well. Is it go back to the Miata? It's a wonderful handling car. Mm-hmm. I would consider the Subaru Toyota Twins, VRZ, FRS86, depending on what year you bought, to be a sports car. It's its own platform. It's designed to be a fun, handling, spiritingly driven car. I consider the Corvette a sports car. It's its own platform. It's its own thing. It's built for performance. Now, that's very different than a Miata or an FRS, where it's got a big rumbly V8, and it goes very fast in a straight line. But the car also has always been, whether it always hit the mark or not, it's always also intended to be a little bit of a kind of European style vehicle as far as mm-hmm. like handling goes. Again, didn't always hit the mark, but it was. A Porsche 911 is a sports car. It's strictly built on that platform to be a sports car. There's no other car on that platform anymore. Going back even to the original 911, was it based on some Volkswagen architecture? It certainly was, but it wasn't the same as having a buying a 356 wasn't like buying a sporty beetle you know what i mean it's it's a different kind of story there it's its own car it's its own thing so that's that's kind of where my definition of a sports car is the car's main intention is sport and that sport doesn't mean zero to 60 times it doesn't mean quarter mile times it doesn't mean track times it just means a car you enjoy driving and have fun driving and the main reason you buy that car isn't to get to work you could use it to get to work, but the main reason you bought that car was for your passion for driving. And that's the main reason the car exists. That's why you bought it, and that's how it's marketed. And that, to me, is a sports car. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I especially like the part about the uh, having it its, its own platform. You know, it makes it I more think that's special. In, I think that's important. Yeah. Is the 912 a sports car? Yes. But it's based on another platform. No, it's not. It's on a 911 platform. Oh, well, yeah. it's based on a sports car platform. It's another version of a sports car. It's not a less. No, there's no lesser version of it available. Like the 912 is the lesser nine or 911. Yeah. But 
they're both intended to be a sporty car. Neither one of them was intended to be a commuter. I think, well, the uh, early 912s had a hopped up version of the, what is it, Type 74 engine? Is that the right numbers? You're going to kill me with those numbers. I, I do not know. The, uh, whatever, the uh, the main Volkswagen engine. Sure. Right? Before being replaced with the 912E. 912E was a one year only, I think, 1976. That sounds right. And yeah. it was leftover bus engines. So those are not quite as... Uh, sporting in their intentions yeah but they're still a sports car okay because they drive like a sports car and again that goes back to the traditional sports car the mgtc the mgtd the mgf like all, all these cars are yeah. they're they're antiquated they were low horsepower they weren't you know any kind of drag race stoplight winning machines that wasn't the point that wasn't the point they were just intended to be a car you bought to go out and be a driving enthusiast in a car those specific English cars were designed for English country roads or B roads as they call them, which were not the best paved, maybe a car and a quarter to a car and a half wide. They had hedges on one side and fields on the other. And the intention of the sports car was to drive those roads at speeds where you could have fun and handle the, the, the turns in those roads and the way those roads, you know, undulated across the English countryside. Right. So I, I mean, I agree with a lot of the points you have in there. I'm waiting for the disagreement um, part, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I see, my thing comes in where I feel like the Corvette is the top of the sports car market in terms of, like, that's where you draw the line between what then becomes something else other than just being a sports car. Because hmm. to me, the Vet is the, ooh, look, a uh, sports car because it's relatively affordable, the, by far the best bang for buck for what it is, right? And it can take it to the European supercars, which are triple the money. You don't consider a supercar a sports car? It's a sporty car, but it's I think it's such a focused weapon that it sort of transcends what a typical sports car is because it's it's gone beyond just drives well and it's now needs to be fast, needs to drive well, needs to look pretty, needs to, you know, do this and that. And so like I think Have you looked at a new Lamborghini? They don't need to look pretty. What are you calling the new Lamborghini? Oh, was the Cyan? The Cyan? Cyan? It's not... Uh, it's not, not a pretty they, car. I don't know if I'd call that the newest Lamborghini. Oh, whatever. I'm just saying that they don't need to be pretty. They need to be flashy. Uh, Smart right, word. but that's... Yeah. A Miata's not flashy. So that's my point. I think once you get into the supercar, hypercar, I think they become beyond that because they become this hyper-focused thing that isn't just about the drive anymore. Because again, some of the, you know, remember, I remember like every supercar that came out for a time there was being immediately taken to the Nurburgring for a track time, sure. which is not something like sure that the sports cars get taken, but it's not the same way, right? It's more so like, wow, I really enjoyed driving the Miata more than I enjoyed driving the blah, blah, blah. I think that's more marketing than categorizing the car because all these manufacturers know that we live in the age of the internet. And right. all anybody cares about and is brochures. bragging the metrics. Up, the metrics and bragging about numbers on the internet. And that's why we have so many less vehicles built today with manual transmissions because oh, the automatic is faster on the track. Well, guess what? You don't drive on the track every day. So what's more fun to drive? So that's the kind of thing. But I, I don't, I don't agree with you. I think that the supercar hypercar market is a sports car because it fits my definition. It is its own platform. Yep. It is not based on a lesser vehicle. They're built for the main purpose to be a sporty driving experience, a racy driving experience. I think cost no object, whether it's a $35,000 Miata or a 
twelve million dollar Bugatti. I think that they're all sports cars. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it works one way. All supercars are sports cars, just you know, dialed up to eleven. But not all sports cars, obviously, are supercars. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's one way of looking at it. Yeah. I I agree one hundred percent with Derek. That's on okay. that one. You both can be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> what? Give us your breakdown, Derek, on your sports car approach, or if we missed anything out, I guess. Yeah, I, I approached it from a more psychological uh, standpoint. And, you know, Brad brought up a lot of this already. Like, you know, if to me, a sports car is not about practicality the way you would buy like a commuter sedan it's not about oh well is it practical does it have enough luggage space what's the fuel economy like Mm -hmm. you know obviously you know you want it to have a certain amount of fuel economy but you know you buy it no not for this purchase (laughs) well sports cars here it's it's much lower on the on the unless the list of priorities considered based on other platforms i i think that we should and i'm sorry to interrupt you derek but um, just based on this conversation, I think that we should be considering the sports car purchase for the sake of this podcast as a second vehicle. So it's not necessarily, you're not worried about your daily fuel economy your or your, it, you're not worried about your daily fuel economy or you're not worried about picking the kids up from school or going to the grocery store. This car is bought for one purpose and it's to be a fun to drive car whenever you have the opportunity to drive that fun to drive car. So yeah, anyway, we'll yeah, that, that that makes sense, and yeah, you know, it's it's about it's an emotional purchase. It's not about practicality or you know practical considerations. It's do I want it? Does this color jump out at me? You know, does it get me excited just looking at it? And do I have to have it? And then when you drive it, obviously, you know, and, and let's be real here, there are a lot of sports cars out there that aren't perfect. I mean, I don't really think there is an absolutely perfect car. They have their compromises like, oh, well, it rides a little stiff or, you know, because it's tighter on the inside, you're not going to get certain features. You don't care. And even like the little quirks that come out over time, the what you could consider flaws, you don't care because it's so fun to drive. Like you just look past all of that. To me, that's, that's a sports car, you know? And then... Um, yeah, like it, it it boils down to it's a want, not a need. Especially if it's okay. a dedicated sports car. Yep. And I think that you brought up a good point there when you're saying that it's driven by you know, you're you're buying a car based on emotion. You're buying a car based on nothing but emotion. There's no Okay, maybe also finances because maybe you bought a Miata, but you really wanted a Lotus. But who knows? <laughs> so you're, you're buying a car based. You're buying a car in your price range based on nothing but emotion, and that I think is an important part to purchasing a sports car. Is that the only thing you're putting into it is how much fun is this vehicle going to give me? And I think that's why it's important to dis to distance the Veloster N and GTI and some of these other vehicles from the sports car category. And, and so. I look at it this way. Like when I was a kid, I didn't have a poster of a Toyota Camry on my wall. I mean, they're fine cars. Don't get me wrong. And they've, they've gotten a lot sportier in recent years, but yeah, you know, it, it was a sports car is an aspirational vehicle. It's something that you lust after that you fantasize about having, whereas a, an economy car it's in a completely it's approached 
completely differently in terms of your mentality. I think that gets a little dangerous by breaking it down to the sports car is the aspirational car because there are aspirational cars that I wouldn't consider sports cars too. So I think it's it might be, might be partially important to the ingredient, but I don't think it's a huge well part relative of the ingredient relative to a more you know commuting focused vehicle. Let's say oh for sure, but. S- Go ahead, Jeff. Well, I, w- I was going to jump in back to one of our earlier conversations. So okay, you go guys. Ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so I have beef with the one car thing because I think you can have one car and it still be a sports car. I, I don't disagree. Hence the the GTI. It, I think the Miata can kind of be used depending on what your daily life looks like. As I, long as you're I, not a, I, I never said we couldn't have it as one car. I just said for the sake of the podcast, it, we're buying it as a second car. You could 100% daily drive a Miata or an S2000 or a Corvette or a lot of people do or any of these things. They're they're all accessible to be daily driven if they fit your lifestyle, which is why I brought up the for the sake of the podcast, because for the sake of the podcast, you know, let's say we all have kids and mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts to drive around. You can't do that with a Miata. So we don't all have that. I think all three of us could daily a Miata totally fine and not have an issue with it because we basically just drive to and from work by ourselves. So well, you, you wouldn't consider the Type R sports car based would not. off your categories? I would not. It is a hot hatch. It is a hopped up version of another vehicle, but it is not a dedicated sports car. Yeah, that blows my mind. Uh, that's, See, I would, that would that, that's that's fine. There, there are a lot of sports cars in the market. In fact, I know you... Not daily, but you drive a sports car all the time. Your sports car breaks out of the traditional definition. You drive, you talked about in the show before, a Porsche 944. Technically has a hatch. It's a hatch, but it's not a hot hatch. It's different. It's its own platform. It's not based on another car. 924. Well, the 924 <laughs> is also a sports car. It's the evolution of the earlier sports car, but the 924 wasn't based on the platform of another car. It's its no. own car. The 924 is a sports car. The 944 is a sports car, but it's a hard top. It's got back seats. It's a hatchback. It's not the traditional definition, but to me, which is why my definition is, I'm going to say it again, its own platform Mm. developed for sporty driving. It's also a dailyable vehicle. You could drive it every day if you wanted to. Maybe not as conveniently in 2022 as you could in 1984 when the car was brand new, but in 1984, you conceivably could have bought that car to drive every day. But it was the choice you made because you were an enthusiast who was buying a car that you wanted to be fun to drive every day because they were much better choices if you were just looking for practicality. Even in the even in the German market, you could have bought an Audi 4000 and you would have got the same door handles <laughs> and you would have had four doors in a trunk. So there's plenty of cars in the market that would have fulfilled all your needs but didn't have that sporty edge that the original buyer would have been looking for, which makes it a sports car. Jeff's staring off the wall trying to form his <laughs> argument here, but he can't because I got him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, my thing is, is I get the platform thing to an extent, but at the same time, I think the performance edge that these vehicles like the GTI, the R, the Type R, um, I think the performance edge that they have over the base sedan is so much so in some cases it's even a different engine looking at the ford focus the the rs and the st right um or even completely different engines from the original platform and even all-wheel drive instead of front-wheel drive 
that it I think would change the dynamics of the vehicle entirely. So even though it's a Ford Focus, it's it's a totally different vehicle. I don't think and it's a totally car. different. I don't think it's a totally different vehicle. I don't think it's a sports car. We 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 can agree to disagree at the end at the end right. of the day. It doesn't. There's no textbook definition of a sports car, but I think that this whole conversation is sparked by the fact that we're running sports car day, right? Which is going to be a Tuesday. It's going to all the cars are going to launch on the seventeenth of May, and the cars are all going to end on the twenty fourth of May. So those sports cars are all going to be sports cars there's not going to be any cars there's that no are, hatches there aren't going to be any gti's or ford focus rs's no sorry right. but anyway I, I i don't i don't think that there's ever going to be a correct answer uh and we touched on a little bit but we're not going to dig too deep into it the sports car versus supercar versus now hypercar versus whatever the next level is going to be mega car i guess yeah <laughs> voltron <laughs> of cars, <Mega> cars. <laughs> yeah so I, I don't I don't think Spaceships. that we can ever end this conversation with all of us agreeing on the same thing. Probably. And if your definition of a sports car includes a Ford Focus, that's fine. We'll just put it out there. Jeff thinks that Ford Focus is a sports cars. RSs. Yeah, well. Just RSs. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's not get carried away. Just I, I wanted, he caught me. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the idea of, you know, dailying or doing longer drives in a sports car. To, to me, like, I did, I did, um, so my roommate from several years ago, he's from Cincinnati and he wanted a taste of home and Penn Station East Coast style subs apparently started in Cincinnati. And at the time we lived in Austin and the closest one, it's weird. Cincinnati is not the East coast, but move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> anyway, um, as, as a Bostonian, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it sounded a little yeah. weird. Yeah. Cause it's not exactly East coast, but, uh, at the time, you know, the, the closest Penn station sandwich shop was in Dallas, which is like, you know, three and a half hour drive. So we made it a few times. One of which was in a Miata, and uh, an ND Miata, and another time it was in an Alfa Romeo 4C. And, you know, obviously they are capable of being driven long distances, but there was something, I get this weird joy out of it because they're not the first vehicles you think of for making a long trip, especially if you're traveling seven hours round trip in a day just for a sandwich. Just for the heck uh, of it, yeah. Yeah, um, but I get this weird joy out of doing something so impractical and kind of crazy in a car that was definitely not meant for that. Both those cars, very obviously sports cars. They fit the definition perfectly. I agree with you 100% using a vehicle beyond its intended purpose is kind of fun. It's very memorable too. I, I generally enjoy doing stuff like that and you know, having photographic evidence of it is always great as well. And <laughs> I've driven across country in multiple vehicles and I, by my own definition, my Mitsubishi Eclipse is not a sports car because it's based on the platform of so another car. I would disagree with that too. It's based on the platform of another car. I, I think it is a sports car. But I, I'm, I'm, I saw you die inside. I, as I you died a that. little bit yeah. inside when I said it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically a front wheel drive version of your 944 at that point, right? Um, right. Anyway, I drove that car across country and I agree that most people, when they see that I've driven this Eclipse across country, are like, how did you sit in that car for 36 hours? 
I don't know, gravity. Like it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you sit in that sports car for? It's a small car. That that uh, economy hatchback. Small car. <laughs> right. So and and I used and I used to do you know my at, for a time my only vehicle was a Mitsubishi Starion, also not a sports car because based on like a lot chassis, but the car had a trailer hitch. You know, I used to tow. Starion's my, definitely I, a sports I, car. I, I used to just like the night. I used to tow a motorcycle behind that car on a trailer hitch and people were like what are you doing like, so it was a pickup truck right uh, <laughs> roof racks perfect. with a kayak on it everything's good next episode yeah what is a pickup truck yeah. uh, <laughs> a Starion you know what I <laughs> got a sports car it's a pickup truck I, I, I love how you had educational information from Derek's story what I was actually going to bring up is I think that Derek might be more of a sandwich enthusiast than a car enthusiast based off those road trips oh, that's a long way to drive for what, a were, were both of these things around the time when the movie uh, Harold and Kumar go to White ah, Castle come out it's a very no. strong connection there there. No, no. Uh, it, it was years after, but uh, it, it, it was just a ridiculous thing to do. But um, yeah, I'll, you know, I, I did it for my buddy because he was homesick. But, you know, I, I definitely got something out of it aside from, you know, putting a smile on his face. It's just the ridiculousness of doing that many hours in one day in car. Well, especially the Alpha 4C. I mean, yeah, no power it. steering. Those are like carbon fiber bodies too, right? Uh, like I, I can't remember. Like maybe, that. maybe. Yeah, Those probably. Are RC suspension, RC car suspension, and yeah, no so power steering, a lot of boost. turbo. Yep. I'm oh, going yeah. to de- redefine my sports car definition just ah, a little bit. Okay. I think platform was too broad. Now that I'm thinking oh, a little bit about it, platform was too broad. But I think it still sticks to the same. If there's a lower end version of the same car, maybe the platform might have some shared componentry and some shared sheet metal like the Eclipse. It shares some sheet metal with a Gallant. But at the end of the day, it's been shortened and modified and the entire body is different and it's been made into a, put a twin cam engine in it and tuned the suspension and put sportier seats in it and it became a different car. I don't think that's, I don't think it was fair to say platform. I think maybe it's where my issue is because you're right, the Starion, so, definitely a sports car. Yes. Even though it's based on a Gallant architecture, but it's all very different. The Starion's, yeah. I, I think if you asked anybody what they would call that car, they would say sports car. A sports car. I mean, if you want to get pedantic, which again we do here. Yep. They're more of a GT car. Okay, get out of here. But so is the <laughs> nine. So is the nine forty four at that point. Sure. The car is designed for a road trip. It's designed for a sporty road trip. You know, the Miata and the four C are not. Those are not GT cars. Those are definitely, <laughs> definitely sports cars. Yeah, but, and I, I made the uh, t- touring car that won Le Mans in its class. The four C. No, the 944. Oh. Mm. I forgot we were still talking about 944s. With yeah, Jeff, I, when you started... We're always talking about that. When you started talking about it, you <laughs> got to actually put a definite stop on the point or it'll keep going, so... A million things went once in my head. All right, gentlemen. So, we can all agree a sports car is a car intended to be driven in a sporty manner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's right. all about the emotion. So, I, I do want to clarify one thing. So I do agree with you to an extent that just because a car has sporty intentions doesn't make it a sports car. Like the Camry TRD, I think it's kind of a joke. Yes. The fact it, that it's got the exact same engine it is as a joke, the yes. regular V6, but with a wing. It's, it's still 300 horsepower. Though, so yeah. Yeah. Yes. 305 horsepower is a lot, period. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't care that they've tuned the suspension. I don't care if they added a wing or red stripes. Right. That's and not a I don't consider car. an M5 a sports car. Because it's it's there is a net, and that's what BMW is the driving machine. But that's where I go used to be, and that's where I go back to 
the platform versus the lower version of the car, the GTI versus a Golf, the Veloster N versus a Veloster, the Focus RS versus a Focus. The the shape of the car, the main sheet metal is the same. You know, the car is not a sports car unless it's has significant changes to that platform. The M5 might be outside of my price restrictions as well. So maybe I wouldn't consider that a sports car. Yeah, I thought we blew that out of the water already. It's a super I thought saloon. the price didn't matter. It's a super saloon. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it's a super sports sedan. I yeah. mean, it's. I, I drove one several years ago. <laughs> Great sport, car. But it's a sports yeah. sedan. Yeah, exactly. Super, yeah, yeah. Its own, super. Yeah, its own like, definition is sports sedan. It's not a sports car because it has too many doors. Uh, you could get back into this. Of uh, See, here's the thing. So we're just because something's a performance car, it's not a sports car. Correct. Okay. I agree with that to an extent. We just have different definitions, clearly, of... Mustang or Camaro? Sports car? Not a sports car. Ooh, yeah, it depends so, yeah. on the generation, I would say. Because I think the newer ones are closer to sports cars, but I wouldn't say... Well... 289... What was the intention of the first Mustang when it came out? Was it intended to be a race car? Not until Shelby touched it. Wasn't intended to be a race car? Not until Shelby touched it. I don't consider... Personally, the Mustang Camaro, I guess we'll throw Challenger in there because it's the other current one available. Yep. I don't consider them sports cars. They are definitely sporty. They yep. definitely handle very well. But for some reason, I can't make them a sports car, and I can't define that. Yeah, and I, I was thinking uh, the same thing because I think a lot of it, uh, tying into emotion, just comes down to when you look at it or you think of it, what is your gut reaction? What is your gut word for it? And my gut word is muscle car. Yeah. Actually, I think that might be a good point for the whole platform argument. So let's go back to Mr. Buying his milk at the grocery store who we're bugging the crap out of all day here. Let's drag him out in the parking lot. Let's show him a lineup of some cars okay. and we'll show him a Veloster. Okay. A Veloster N. He doesn't know anything about cars. It has to be cars. an N because the other one doesn't count. He doesn't know anything about cars. He looks at that and he sees a Veloster hatchback. <laughs> His main thought isn't going to be emotionally that's a sports car. It's going to be hatchback. Show him a four-door GTI. He's going to go hatchback. Show him a Mustang. He might go sports car. I think you're giving him too much credit. I'm not even sure he'd say hatchback or hot hatch. No, he'd probably say leave me alone like four yeah, questions well, ago. That's yeah, that's milk that too. <laughs> yeah, my milk is not going bad. I'm mad at you. So, I think I better be fast so I can get but fast. I'm, I will spin this argument around you and go back to what we all agreed was one of the most important parts of what classifies a sports car, which is driving dynamics. And I talked about how some of the changes to some of these high-performance versions of these hatchbacks are so significant that it changes the entire driving style no question for this car not only does the engine change but they also change uh suspension bits obviously make them more stiffer uh, most companies will point out that they've got ooh, look at these fox shocks or whatever in our car but the, the trucks usually fox that's shocks, well the raptor okay. is what yeah. came to mind when i first brought that up so right? the raptor is a sports car man hot shocks. takes no from no Jeff no, get, no get out of here get out of here you um, heard it first <laughs> but the rs and the golf r i would say are, are sports cars um even though if you start breaking it down to the hot hatch, yes, I, they're, they're I, I can hatches, I can one hundred percent not agree, but understand where you're coming from. In the same way, I can't justify a Mustang Camaro Challenger as a sports car. I can't justify a GTI Veloster Focus. You name it as a sports car. I, I just it's and maybe it's just it's a personal opinion that I can't get past, and it's in my head that if I'm going to be hand me a piece of paper and say draw a sports car it's going to be low slung it's going to be swoopy. probably two seats okay it's going to be actually 
I just thought of something in, in regards to this argument. So for the main domestic, being that we're in the U.S., muscle cars, Mustang, Camaro, Challenger, and we'll include the Charger. Okay, when we start thinking about that, um, two out of those uh three manufacturers actually produce track focused variants of the cars. And I would say those two variants are also much more sporty than the other <laughs> manufacturers cars. Uh, sure. And I'm if, assuming if you guys know which cars I'm talking about. Yeah, if you want a GT three fifty or uh what's the The Z L ones. The L one, they're definitely track weapons for sure. Yep. It's road legal track weapons designed to handle well and, and would, be blistering fast. I'd say even the the SS and GT models are significantly yeah. more sporty and maybe more fair to take around a track. Than For sure. And maybe this maybe goes back to my Charger basic challenger. I can also go to the dealership and I can buy a base V6 Mustang or a Not anymore. base or whatever the lowest one is now. EcoBoost. Okay. I can buy a base EcoBoost Mustang or I can buy a base six cylinder Camaro now I think it's I think still the four six. cylinders yeah. gone yeah I think it's so still six. there's still a lower version available so and maybe that's why I can't bring them mm. to the party as but this cars. goes back to like the whole well Supra's Mark 3 Supra right you could get yeah. different versions of the engine hence the whole reason the turbo badge was a big deal yeah so yeah. Uh, I think blowing holes in my ship yes over here. that's well that's the goal that's what I came here to do <laughs> I'm not going to present like mine's foolproof. However, however, I would I would hazard an argument that even a non-turbo Supra would be a sports car, even though it's platform shared with a mm. Toyota Soar. Lexus Very interesting. SC. Would you like to alter your sports car definition again? No, because it's enough changed. It all this is the basic. Oh, enough change. Like band. switching from front-wheel drive to all-wheel drive, and then changing the motor and the suspension. But still looks like a focus. Uh, yeah, with a wig and I, some I, different arrow bits. You know what this is? I think you and I are arguing these points back and forth that aren't going to go anywhere. And we, have to, we right. have to reverse back to the one main point Driving that Derek drove home. Oh. Emotion. Okay. You know what else drives <laughs> I'm just kidding. Emotion. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> so it's, uh-huh. it's, it's your own thoughts. It's your own feelings. You're I right. believe that a Super is a sports car. Yep. It doesn't 100% fit my definition. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Definitions are, I guess, fluid here. It doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> right. We can, we can make it what we want. It's, it's whatever makes us happy, whatever we think is a sports car. When it comes to the cars we're going to be selling on the site, as far as sports cars go, we kind of put a little tighter of a definition on it. We did. But at the end of the day, there were a couple of cars where we went back and forth amongst fellow coworkers, and we said, all right, it's a sports car. Or we said, all right, it's not a sports car. So cars that aren't sports cars but are sports car adjacent will be run on the auction site around that day, but not on that day. So there'll be a couple of those in there for sure. So sports car day launches Tuesday, the 17th. There will be at least six, maybe seven or eight sports cars that day. Every car that launches that day will be one that has passed the office definition of a sports car. Sports car day, ends. which was not really debated. So, some of the cars were debated. They're going to be what anybody thinks is a sports car. These cars will fit that definition for sure. I don't think anybody's going to call up and be like, "I don't know why you're running this car on sports Correct. car day." Yeah, that, that won't happen. Or if they do, um, guess the car's um, not for them. Moving on, we'll bring them into the podcast. Now, if we get a star on, we'll run it on pickup truck day. <laughs> uh, yes. I have one. You want to put it on there? No problem. <laughs> Remove you the hatch throw in the trailer. and it'll look like a pickup truck. 
So, Sports Guy Day ends Tuesday the 24th. So, that's the day you definitely want to be there ready to buy your car. Mm-hmm. So, I think the last thing we have to do, gentlemen, that we do every episode is go to the site and choose your favorite car that's currently live, available to purchase on autohunter.com. I assume you both have one picked already. I oh, think yeah. Last yeah. week we started with Jeff, so let's go to Derek first. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of uh, lookers here. Uh, I like the 82 Rolls Royce Silver Spirit. It's got of a lot you of. Do. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, big, uh, boxy, luxurious, uh, English luxury car with a lot of new stuff in it. But a leather line sports car, if I ever did see one. <laughs> but the one that I am picking this week is the 1961 Buick LeSabre convertible. That's a really nice one. Oh, yeah. Is that, I think that's the one that we all kind of grouped around, right, initially, and we're like, wow, that's a nice car. Is that the green car with the green interior and the green top? Yeah. That is a beautiful car. That is a oh, beautiful yeah. car. White walls. It's got a uh, period correct nailhead V8, three-speed auto, and, yeah, just a nice mix of colors. It Wide just whites, wire out. wheels, green, green, green. Yes, that, yeah. One's, yeah. that one is 100% worth taking some time to take a look at because it, that drew the entire office's attention. When I say green and green on green, most people are going to go, uh, but no, look at it. It's a it's, good green on green on green. It's yeah, really it's good. not like pea soup green. You know, it's No, which vibrant. only I like, apparently, <laughs> I've learned. And people who bought Pintos. At 100% drive Pinto in green. I'm sure you would. Actually, the car that... With so, the exploding gas tank feature? To... to Take a sidestep here. The car that I am always searching for, and if I ever found one, I would sell something that's a much better car to purchase. Wow. Uh, is a 1978 Plymouth Volare four-door station wagon in green with a green interior. You heard it. If you were looking to sell if your... you, if you, oh, 100%. If you have a green over green, Late 70s doesn't have to be a 78. It can be the same body style. Volari. It could even be an Aspen because the same car. It doesn't matter to me. I just, that was the car that my grandfather had when I was a kid growing up. And I have a lot of memories in that car. And that's the one car that I, like, it, it's it's not a good car by any means. So would it's you say this causes car. a lot of emotion in, for you and it could be considered a sports car? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're driving out here, Jeff. No pun intended. <laughs> anyway, it's actually the same car that Bob drives in Bob's Burgers, but in red. So, oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, it has to be a green on green Volari or Aspen wagon. Doesn't matter if it's a V8 or a Slant 6. Like, I just, that's, it's not an easy car to find in 2022, believe it or not. So... <laughs> I've been looking for probably 10 years. And I have a road only, trip for it. Uh, 100%. I drive that car right across the country. It would, again, go back to my childhood of road tripping to Maine <laughs> and the thing. So, all right, Jeff, what's your choice? Um, so, this this was tough. There's so much good stuff. Um, but I figured I would go the cliche route, and I definitely picked the 1986 Porsche 944. Yeah. <laughs> Five-speed. It makes sense. So... You are a 944 guy. Yes. So this guard's is red so This is a guy. later car for mine. So this has the uh, newer style interior um, that has the round gauge cluster area, um, but it is still the same 2.5 liter inline four, and it does have the phone dials, which um, for those of you that don't know, the interior changed and the wheel options changed with the... Uh, interior facelift yeah there's slight, i don't know what else slight, to call it yeah, slight refresh. Change. yeah slight refresh. Like the, the bumpers stayed the same unless you bought a turbo so yeah. 
Uh, I had the same issue this week. There's some interesting cars. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's a No Reserve 1996 Toyota Crown. We talked about that. Which about, is yeah. right up my alley. There's the Airstream that we talked about. Uh, I would choose the Airstream, but since I don't have anything to tow it with, I'm going to choose something else. Mm. So there's a 65 Volkswagen Beetle. I was looking at that. Yeah. Um, it's. I love Beetles. Yep. I've this never. Nice. I've never owned a Beetle. I, in high school, my father had a 1975 when I was in high school, my father owned a 1975 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia convertible that I used to drive around often. And that kind of cemented my love for air cooled cars. Never pulled the trigger on a Beetle, but I think that a uh, 65 would be good. Pre 67 would be the rule if I were to buy a Beetle. So this car fits that it's a good color combo. It's got like a very period correct roof rack. Yep. I think just, that's what I liked about it. Yeah, the it just most. needs, a couple of small custom touches to fit my style Beetle, and I'd be way into it. So I would 100% purchase, if I had to choose one car gun to head in the site right now, the 1965 Volkswagen Beetle. It's kind of like a seafoam green, supposedly 60,000 miles. Good. Yeah, it's it's a super cool car. So I dig it. 65 is pre-12 volt, but that's okay. It can be converted. So those are our picks for the week. So hopefully when you listen to this, you can rush on there and buy all three of those cars. One of you with money, maybe. <laughs> that helps. And then, and then just give them to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. All gifts all gifts accepted. Yeah. I, as If someone, whoever buys the 944, I would like to think that you would uh, hit me up and then become part of the 944 community. Right. Jeff says, be my friend. Yeah. That's, that's be my, my friend, goal. please. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode episode seven of the drive the bid podcast again brought to you by autohunter.com i don't think we said that enough this episode considering the whole entire episode no, was based on our special day happening chill moment yeah. this time i usually do it at least once an episode <laughs> so on that note enjoy yourselves thanks for listening thank you guys for recording with me derek and jeff and we'll talk to you next week